Thank you for tuning in to the Faith Over Everything podcast where we cover, you guessed it, everything. Whether it's pop culture, religion, politics, relationships, fashion and beauty, entertainment, black culture, or me just chopping it up with my girls, we are here to talk about it all. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode available on all your favorite streaming platforms and enjoy the show. All right, all right. Well, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in again to another show of Faith Over Everything. I have a mom boss on tonight with me. She was actually introduced to me by my really good friend, Carol Douglas. And um, Carol just always has amazing things to say about this woman. And I didn't realize her background. I didn't really understand. But um, once I got to learn a little bit more about her, and I'm going to allow her to introduce herself in a moment, but I just said she had to be on the show because her message, her career, her story, it is changing lives and it is amazing. So with that being said, Tanisha, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Faith. This is such a full circle moment. Yes, we met because of Carol Douglas. We call her C. Dougie Short, me and my yeah. household. <laughs> um, but it's a full circle moment because she always talks about you and the great things that you're doing and what her friends are doing. So I'm just excited to be on this podcast and to be able to share my story, um, but, but uh, share a bigger message of what we all need to be aware about. Uh, what we need to have awareness around yes. and, uh, and if, in politics, which we'll talk about today, if you are not at the table, you are definitely on the menu. Ooh. And so um, and so I think uh, uh, people of color, especially black folks, we need to wake up and find where our place is at the table because we are definitely on the menu. And today is the um, I hate to say anniversary, but today is a year since the killing of George Floyd. And it mm -hmm. just tells us that we are not there yet. We might be making small strides, but we are definitely not there yet. So thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity for me to share my wisdom and my experiences. Absolutely. So, so Tanisha is the county clerk of the third largest county in the entire nation in the largest county in the state of Texas. Tell us a little bit more about how you got where you are today. Absolutely. Well, my, my beginnings are very humble beginnings. I'm a Texas girl. I was raised in Austin, Texas and moved to Houston uh, more than 20 years ago to attend the HBCU, which happens to be Texas Southern University. So the other TSU, the other, okay. okay. <laughs> the other TSU um, uh, might be debatable on this call. I know, I know. I know. But, uh, <laughs> um, and I moved here to study communications and I did that. I did just that. But later on in my career, on campus, I had the opportunity to interview for an internship called the Mickey Leland Congressional Internship. And it allowed me to travel to Washington, D.C. and intern for a congressional member back in 2003. Well, that changed my whole perspective on uh, of communications. I thought I was going to be doing television broadcasts and reporting in the community, but I really liked politics better because one thing I knew for sure is that not enough people of color were were giving and protecting our rights. Not enough people of color were showing up to meetings and speaking on behalf of uh, of us. And uh, and and I found my voice there. 
I found my voice there. So came back from D.C., finished school at TSU, and I had this opportunity uh, to work here in the county, in Harris County, uh, as uh, an administrative assistant. Now, the Harris County clerk is not a popular office, right? Okay. <laughs> Most people here, senator, congressional member, state representative, president, secretaries of this and that. And so, but, but believe it or not, every single county in our nation has a county clerk. Okay. And county clerk roles are really important, but they're just not popular offices. Uh, when I first started in this office, one of the biggest roles that the county clerk had here in Texas, and like I said, every state is different here in Texas, is that it ran elections. Now, the county clerk does a bunch of other things. We handle all the major recording of records in our county from commissioner's court to different courts of the county. Um, when you start a business, you get your DBA from our office. When you get married, you get your marriage license from our office. And so there are many other things that you do. But when I first started working in this county, we handled elections. And that was many years ago. This was 2005. And I had a passion for people. I had a passion for community. But most of all, I had a passion for elections and voter education. Mm -hmm. And one thing I knew as being a member of Delta and being activated in community, I served on the Urban League board, was that we were just not at the table. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we weren't creating a pipeline of educating those behind us to really be a part of the political process. And this is no quorums toward the old school. Right. We have these folks of color who have been in office for a long time and they've been our representatives. But one thing I noticed is there was no pipeline of like younger people that were coming behind, ready to mm -hmm. kind of take the mold over. And I couldn't quite understand like what was going on with the pipeline. So when I started working in the county clerk's office, um, I started as an administrative assistant. And that meant I sat in a cubicle. I didn't have parking. I got <laughs> people's coffee, but I learned the work and I invested in that. And here I am 15 years later, six positions later, and I am now the elected official of this office. Now, I know that seems like not a big time, but it really was a roller coaster ride. Mm -hmm. And I had to sit in the uncomfortable places to be able to get to a place of influence. Okay, that's awesome. And I wanted to add, and because we cannot leave this out, she's also the first African-American woman to serve in this role. So you made history. She's a bad mamma jamma, okay? Yeah. So the congrats on that. And first, thank you. Yes, the youngest and the first African-American woman. When yeah. I was hired in the county clerk's office, I was hired um, by um, Beverly Kaufman, who was a white woman and Republican. So I've worked for Republicans and Democrats. If you're really wanting to be good in politics, you need to know how to work across the aisle and be knowledgeable on how people think on both sides of the aisle. And so I've worked for four different county clerks uh, before I got to this space. So I learned about all the good things that should be done, um, a lot of the things that shouldn't be done. <laughs> and by the time I got here, I realized, you know what, you have a really good opportunity to do something with this office that has never been done and it can make, it can be of community. And so, you know, I've just, I've just been a learner at heart. But um, like I said, when you have community for people, 
those are the folks that really should be running. You know, there's always somebody behind an elected official. They have a chief of staff or a community liaison. Mm -hmm. Those are really the people that do the work. Mm -hmm. And no quorums against the the face person or the person that's in the front because they have the vision and the goals. But it's the people that are working behind them that you really want in office because they know what it takes to get it done. They're sitting in the room like, you know, writing all the notes mm-hmm. and they're making the meetings happen behind closed doors. And that's who I was. I was a behind closed door person for many, many years. And if you would have asked me a year ago, you know, would you have run for office? This was the last thing on my plate. I was so used to maneuvering behind closed doors and making things happen in our community, in this entire county, that being the person in front of, I had coached the person in front of for you, mm-hmm. right? Like, this is your script. This is how you show up. Here's the media, you know, list for today. And then to have to flip that and decide uh, this is what you want to do. Well, that became a crazy, interesting journey. And it happened right in the middle of a global pandemic. Uh, so wait, when, so when you decided, decided in 2020 yep, yeah, run. Yeah. When did yeah. that switch take place for you? Yeah, so I'll tell you what happened. The fourth county clerk that I was working under called me out of the blue in May. And at the time I was the chief deputy. So I was a second in command to the elected official. Um, called me out of the blue on a Saturday and we had been business as usual. Yes, we had to close our doors because of COVID. We were figuring out how to work virtually like everybody else and just, you know, kind of rolling with the punches. She called me on a Saturday and in and, and the political world, what people should know is most things are planned, right? Or there is something set in place. There was no plan. I got a call from her in the middle of the day that said, I've resigned and I'm stepping down from my post. Wow. And I thought, okay, something's wrong. Something uh, has gone wrong. Something's going on with her that she's not telling me about. And what was funny is out of all the uh, four clerks that I had worked under, um, she was the most progressive. We were finally in this county getting to a place where we were doing much more progressive things. And so I was really excited about her leadership and where we were going. And the ball just, I mean, like the ceiling caved in because we had COVID going on. She calls and says that I resigned. And I thought, well, what's happening? Like, what's going on? So fast forward to that. She stepped down and I tried to talk to her for three, for at least three or four weeks to say, we send your resignation. You can stay at home. You know, we'll still run this office. We have a presidential election. We cannot <laughs> be trying to change guard, right? In the right. middle of an election. And I went into emergency political mind because okay. what that meant by her stepping down at the time that she did was that there'd have to be an interim appointment to take mm-hmm. over the office. And then someone would have to run in November to finish her unexpired term. Mm. So it was tricky in that sense, because it wasn't like just because I was the chief deputy, I was going to be the automatic person. And what ended up happening is I wasn't chosen to be the interim person, which was the no brainer. Mm. And so it became very clear to me uh, who had the experience with hands down uh, should have been made the interim that after I wasn't made the interim and someone still needed to run for this office, that I was done with teaching people with what I already knew. Mm. I was done 
uh, by being the person behind the scenes, propping others up, saying this is what needs to happen. I knew exactly what my community needed because I'd worked in the community. Right. And uh, and and as scary as hell as it was, if I could say that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> because I was scared. I, I was just scared and I was confused and I was thinking, why is this happening and why is it happening now? Right. Um, I knew there was something in me that said either you do it or or, you know, you don't. And then you look back and regret that you didn't at least try. Yeah. And I didn't want to look back and regret that I didn't try. But I'll tell you, figuring out how to run a campaign in a small window of time, being a first time candidate. Yes, I've worked in the community. I knew the key players, but I never run for office. People didn't know my politics, per se, or how I would show up as a as the face of something. And so I had to convince a very large county over four point five million voters that, you know what, not only am I running for this office, but I know the job and I know I'm the best candidate for the job. But here's the twister. Okay. It gets better. <laughs> After I decided to run, because it was an open seat special election for an unexpired term, I ended up running against a, a previous boss of mine that was a Republican in the November election. Wow. And I beat him by a hundred and thousand vote difference in the November election. And he was an eight year incumbent. And yes, I worked under his tenure. Wow. That yeah. Really so, <laughs> I mean, did you expect that? I didn't expect any of it. And on any given day, it was like talking to two different people. On one hand, I was like, are you out of your cotton picking mind? Are you really serious that you're getting ready to do this and throw yourself out there like this to the wolves right before a presidential election, even though this was a local race? And then on the other side, I'd say, you got this. You know yeah. this work. You've been doing it. Why are you hesitating to do it? And, mm. you know, don't. I just kept thinking at night, you know, sometimes when you're being convicted about something or you, you have discernment and you can't sleep. Right. And it's just nudging you and you can't get comfortable with the fact that you're deciding not to do something that God makes you so uncomfortable that you have to show up. And so that's exactly what happened to me. I was so uncomfortable in my decision to say, I'm not getting this. This is crazy. This is scary. This is not how I ever imagined it to be. And I had toiled with running for office one day. But I just really didn't know if this was the place. And I was fighting myself so much that God made me uncomfortable to the place where I could not operate in my day to day until I accepted the fact that I was going to get in the race and I was going to do this work. And uh, and I did it. And I am so grateful that I didn't look back and regret it. And what I did is when I decided to run, I said, you know what? This is my first race. And most people that run for office the first time don't always win. Yeah, for sure. But um, yeah, and so I said, you know what? I'm making peace. If I win, then that was God's purpose. Mm -hmm. If I don't win, I tried and I gave it my all. And I know that I'm capable of doing it again. Yes. And here we are. And and, and I'm the county clerk to the third largest county in the nation, youngest and first African-American woman. And I don't regret one decision now. I was stressed all to be dang last year. Things were crazy. But you know what? People showed up for me like I've showed up for them for many, many years. And I'm grateful and I'm better for it. 
That is an amazing story, sis. Like that's such a beautiful story. It's um super motivating to hear that. I was yeah. just talking to another guest on the show about that. Just it seems like when we kind of toil and fight against what we know God wants us to do, um, mm-hmm. He'll get us in that place of being uncomfortable and unsettled until so we step out on faith and do what we know we need to do. And so. That's, That's right. just amazing, like for real. So yeah. come from where you came from to to run for the first time and yeah. to beat your former boss. Look, favor yeah. ain't fair, okay? Favor's not fair, but I'll tell you, that's when I realized, I mean, I've always known this in my walk, in my relationship with God, but I always knew that what was what what happened last year and what I was able to to achieve was not by my own will, right? Mm. God just gave me the resources, put me through the experiences, uh, allowed me to study to show, show myself approved. But what I knew to be true is for me to go and run against uh, a former boss who was on the other side, the political spectrum, to raise more money than him within a five month difference before a presidential campaign, look, that was not within my power. Wow. That's <laughs> it could have been if, even if I try, but I do look back at that and I get chills right now because it takes me back to the moment. It was this about this month, a year ago, where I was toiling with, oh my God, what do I do? And because my former boss had stepped down out of her role so soon, you know, with politics, you never know what you're walking into. True. And and I was just uncertain, like, okay, is there something I don't know about? But but I just I just knew, you know what? We've come so far. Our county had developed this uh, this sense of countywide voting, which meant people can vote at any location that they choose to go to. But before that, for many years in Texas, you know, Texas is one of those states where voter laws are always being challenged. You could only vote at the precinct in which you were registered. Well, that was so outdated. And what would happen is thousands of people would be turned away from their voting sites and discouraged because they weren't at the right polling location. So Uh we finally got to this expansive way of voting. And I was like, I'd be damned if we go backwards. Like we've come too far. And because I'd been here for that, I just wanted to make sure it, it wasn't about me. It truly wasn't. It was about We've made it this far. We've got to keep pushing forward. And we have a presidential campaign and we have to make sure that we make it equitable for everybody. Didn't matter what side of the voting spectrum, but I didn't want any balls being dropped in a county of this size. And so here we are. We had a wonderful election. Uh, We did uh, uh, innovative things like allow for drive through voting because of the pandemic. Um, we did things like expanded hours of voting. Uh, we did 24 hours where you can vote if you were a shift worker or worked in the medical center or worked, you know, on the ship channel. You know, you had an opportunity to vote. It wasn't just between seven to seven. That's awesome. Um, we, we did a whole month of voting early in person. And so we made it really to the fact that you know, you really couldn't make no excuse to vote. If you couldn't vote by bail, you know, we're making all these things happen. The only thing we couldn't do was bring the ballot box to your doorstep. Right. (laughs) You (laughs) made it easy for people. Right. You made it easy. And when you think about communities of color, right, we have bigger things on our mind. Most communities of color who are making average pay, they're trying to keep the lights on. They're trying Mm -hmm. to keep, you know, food in the house. They're trying to get their kids to and from school and daycare. And so, you know, if you want those folks to really get activated and vote, you have to make it more accessible. 
Accessibility is key. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did here in Harris County. And as a result of that and the results of the election, now what we're seeing is a tremendous amount of tax on our voting rights. And it's 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 despicable. Yeah. But it's absolutely what's happening. It's happening in the state of Texas. It's mm-hmm. happening in Florida. It's happening in our southern, southern states. states. It's happening. Mm-hmm. It's happening all over the world. And let me tell you, it's blatant. Yeah. It's blatant attacks on the rights of all voters. Because guess what? Those in power don't like to share power. That's right. And 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 it's really attack. On this social empowerment of, okay, when individuals are getting elected to positions like Tanisha Hudspeth, Mm -hmm. who's the first black woman in the county clerk's office who could quite frankly be controlling elections Mm -hmm. or, you know, in a county and you start getting individuals elected to seats, um, the, the scares of power, then we have to attack it. Then we have to set them back. And I'm here to tell you, people need to wake up and smell the coffee. We can say we don't like politics. We can say we don't want to be involved, but it doesn't matter what spectrum of work you're in, whether it's medical, education, politics or not politics, politics are involved in what you do, Mm -hmm. whether you like to hear that or not. That's true. (laughs) That's very true. And it is, and it's it's different, right? It may not be the in-your-face type of politics that happens in terms of public service, but any spectrum of work you're in, if you are business and marketing, if you're in finance, there's a level of politics in every segment of that type of work. Mm -hmm. And again, if we are not at the table, um, and this is why I really want folks to know, you know, it's okay for us to run for office. If you've been an educator and you've been in the education system and you know what's happening, you can't sit by and continue to digest that. We need to run for office. Mm. We need to stop waiting by the sideline and saying, you know, this is crazy. You know, people's not teachers are not being paid enough. Right, yeah. we, need step re- we need state reps in all these offices to, to take education serious enough. What is happening in the state of Texas is they're removing, you know, the history of black folks, the mm. history of our ancestors from the textbooks. These are direct attacks. Wow. And so. And so we can try and blot it out with the Instagram and the TikToks and right. all these other kind of things that's going on. Distractions. With all the distractions, but the realistic side of it is we are prepared, we're educated, we are getting our degrees, advanced degrees, we are getting training and experiences. And look, everybody's not going to run for office. I get that. Right. Um, but you can be on a board. You can be on a PTA. You can be ahead of your HOA, your homeowners association. You can decide to get involved to some extent. Mm. Um, and, and it's going to take not just community folks. Our religious leaders are going to have to step it up. Mm-hmm. Our, 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 you know, all sectors of our community is going to have to be held accountable and is going to have to set up because I'm telling you what's happening right now is a force, a showdown to push uh, the rights of individuals, specifically voter rights, mm-hmm. five, 10, however many years backwards. Mm-hmm. Look, the train is coming. This world is becoming more and more diverse every day. And and it's going to happen. But what's happening politically is the is the suppression and the push down of, OK, too much is, is flowing up. We got to mm-hmm. stop this before it gets too out of control. Woo, sis. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening or good night. 
I'm Dana, aka DanaMike781 across the social medias, and I am here to tell you about my podcast that is currently streaming on your favorite listening platform. It's called This Should Be in a Book. People often tell me that the things I say should be in a book, but I didn't want to write a book. So I decided to release my knowledge podcast style. New episodes are available every Monday, and you'll be able to listen to my insight on this thing called life, three points into poem style, minus the poem. (laughs) So after you finish listening to this podcast, head on over to This Should Be In A Book to listen and subscribe. Hope you enjoy. Look, (laughs) you said a mouthful, and it really convicted me because um, as a mom of... um, my daughter is now, uh, she'll be seven on uh, next week. But just when she transitioned to grammar school, I'm like, oh, okay. So now there's the PTA, right? There's this, there's that. And I just wanted to sit back and, you know, um, kind of yeah. let, other, let others take the lead and just, you know, go with the flow. I didn't really want to get overly involved because I'm so busy, right? I got this, yeah. I got this, got that. And then there's some racial tension that started happening at her school. And then I had to get, absolutely had to get involved oh. in because I'm like, oh, no, no. I yeah. will at every PTA yeah. meeting. I will yeah. be involved. I want to know what's going on. But it wasn't until something happened. So I was yeah. more reactive Versus yep, proactive. Absolutely. So every word you said really hit home for me just now. So you're, you are absolutely Good. so right. We yeah. Sit back and complain and allow things to happen to us. We have to get in there. And that's why we keep getting judges and other officials. That's why our these cops aren't being convicted. Look, that's why our men keep going to jail. I mean, we can go on and on and on, right? The we can go on and on. Because we aren't being represented because we aren't involved. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the bottom line. I know, you know, we get consumed in our lives and, and we have a lot going on. But what happens is we end up being on the reactive side. And if we just want to keep it real in 100, 1000, whatever it is, is that's what the other side is used to. They're used to us coming in and being reactive and coming to raise hell Mm -hmm. on the other side. When all along, had we been in the meetings from the get go, right, some of this stuff would have never happened because we would have been at the table to say, no, that's not a good look. Or we need to think about something that's a little bit more applicable for everybody that's involved. And, And so, again, we can sit and what happens is we complain, we get upset. We start talking about all these different things. And and trust me, I have done voter advocacy and education and stuff for years. I have listened to people give me every excuse under the moon and back of why they didn't vote, why they don't do this, why they don't do. And for every excuse, I have a comeback. I mm. remember a business owner telling me, well, you know, I don't vote. You know, all they're going to do is, you know, ha- have taxes and they're going to bill mm. me and all that. And I said, well, they're banking on you not voting so they can keep charging whatever type of taxes they want to charge. Mm-hmm. But if you and a coalition of business owners get together and start charging up your elected officials that are making this decision, then they're going to have to come up with something better. Yes. Yes. And so, yeah, it's not, and it's not always the quick, fast game and yeah. politics is the long game, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but what sometimes the other side is brilliant at is they play the long game, they play it well, and they have a preparation for it. And so, we have ha- we have got to stop being reactive 
and get at the table. They don't want to give us a place. You have to make yourself a place. They don't want to, you know, and so that is that is where we are in the world. And so just sitting and becoming complacent, what we see in today um, and pushing us back. I mean, if you think about it, we think about uh, what our what what Martin Luther King and and all these individuals did to fight for our rights. Right. And to be here in 2021 and see some of that same stuff happening. Right. It may not be exactly like it was before, Mm -hmm. but it's the same. And if we continue to keep letting it happen, it's not going to get any better. It's going to get more blatant. And, And the only reason why, because let's let's just be real. A lot of black folks have lost their lives. A lot of black men have lost their lives in the very same thing. But because there was a video that displayed Mm -hmm. the gruesome loss of life with George Floyd, the nation had to wake up. Yep. You're right. No one could deny it anymore. No one could say, well, you know what? What was he really doing? What was there was no way to justify the brutal killing of that young man. Right. right. It couldn't just be another name. It was a a multiplicity of names. Mm -hmm. And again, here we are in 2021. And why am I having to fight? For the right to vote. I mean, it's despicable. It is. It is. And I know I'm getting fired up about this, but I need people to wake up and see if we don't get in the game, we are going to be looking at worse conditions. Yeah. Okay. It's sad. It's tough, (laughs) but, but I'll give it back to you. (laughs) Okay. No, I get it. And I, I appreciate that passion because um, we need to hear that. So thank you. We need to hear that coming from someone that looks like us, right? Yeah. Especially a black woman like yourself. And so why do you think it's just so important um, for more blacks and especially women to start getting involved in politics? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's important for more people to, of color to be in politics because, look, we're not all the same. Mm. We are people of color, but we're from all different diverse types of background. Right. And one thing is we don't want people to identify black people as one kind of black person or one kind of black type. Right. We are we are educated. We are articulate. We are smart. We have worked and we deserve to be in positions of influence. Right. Um, I mentioned education earlier, but it is so important for our children to see people like us in the classroom. It is so important in our churches and our faith based organizations and nonprofit and business attorneys, whatever it is at your level. You know, it's important for us to show up so that when we have to speak on behalf of those that look like us. We know what that means because we've come from those spaces. So I'm a product of a single parent mother. And I talk about in, in some instances, my journey of, of not having both parents in the home. And I think everyone's situation is different. Um, but, but I had a single parent mother who was working three jobs or however many, but one thing she did was she always invested in wanting more from me. Hmm. And so the reason why I'm here today is because she invested in wanting more from me, but, but her payoff for that is I give back to other young women that someone else had to give back to me because she didn't really have the resources or education to do that, right? right? And so it was our community 
that poured into me. It was those who had the college educations or those that supported me to go to college tours and have exposure and things like that. So going back to the question in terms of why it's important for people of color to run for office, because who better to speak for us than us? Yes. And if we're not speaking for us, then no one is speaking for us. Now, when I talk about women, um, women, we are mothers, we are wives, we are protectors, we are educators, we are nurturers. Women are everything. And this is no slight to our men because our men serve such a great purpose. Mm-hmm. But we, um, God has designed us to be able to take on more than the average bear. Yes. And then when you add black women to it, right? Look. Black women to it. Um, I think there's another set of, of, of adversity that we face that brings a stronger, um, uh, will to the table. Mm-hmm. So when you think about the rungs and Cicely Tyson talks about this, she says, you know, it's white male, white woman, black man, black woman, mm-hmm. right? And the rungs of order. But if you think about it, black women are, 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 are more educated. The yep. amount of us are getting advanced degrees. We're becoming doc. We're getting our doctorates. We're becoming doctors. We're becoming elected officials. We're becoming vice presidents of the United States. You think about the woman, um, the woman brings a certain set of passion, but thoughtfulness and mindfulness to public office. Mm-hmm. When I go out and I represent this office, because look, I don't just represent people of color. My office, I represent white, Asian, uh, Hispanic. I represent everyone. And so what, what they want to know about me is, Is she educated? Is she competent? Is she professional? Does she represent this office well, right? Mm -hmm. Now, depending on how I handle myself in all those different areas depends on how they judge me as the black woman. Um, But I think what black women, women of color bring to the table is that we have the willpower and strength to handle it. Mm-hmm. And and to do it in a certain way that that demystifies all of the um, the the thoughts that people have about us being capable of being able to do it. And it's not an easy job. I do not sit up here and say, you know, I threw my hat in a ring and this is how it goes down. I have a four year home, a four year old at home. That's probably waiting to see me before, uh, you know, before he goes to bed, I have a husband who's wondering, you know, did you leave dinner? Or what was for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> um, my mother who helps us greatly, who's a support system, who's, you know, getting up in age, uh, she deserves help. And then I have a staff of almost 270 people that are and, and on over uh, 20 departments that I run on a daily basis and then a whole million. So customers right. in the community. And so um, it's enough to 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 overwhelm you. But I think what we have is that we're flexible. We mm. learn how to pivot like yes. in so many times we we learn how to move and shake with the best of times and with the worst Versus, of times. Yes, absolutely. And uh, and we're not just going to drop something because it's not fun anymore, right? We're going to stick with it until we see the end of the course, until we know that that's the end for us. And I think that's the special thing that women of color bring to the table or just women. I'm really passionate about women in leadership, period. Yeah. Uh, but 
But and, and it was a woman who elevated me in the positions that I've had in this office. It took women to do that um, because they saw something in me and to give me that opportunity. And so we really have to wisen up. Like I said, everyone's not going to run for office, but you can work someone's campaign. You can help them get elected. You can help pour resources into them because it takes money to uh, run for office. You can um, you can, you know, be an operator. You can be a community advocate and just educate people on why you need a vote, why this is important. And then on the other side is, you know, when people come to your community, start making all these promises on why you should vote for them. You need to hold them accountable. Exactly. I say that to people all the time. Look, I'm going to ask for your vote. But at the end of the day, everything I'm promising you, you can write it down on a note. As a matter of fact, I'm going to display it for you. You need to hold me accountable on those things because you are asking me to be a voice and I need to be able to speak for all people. And while this conversation is more about people in color and black folks, look, I represent the gamut. And at the end of the day, if they have a concern or need, I need to be able to step up to the table and be able to, uh, to be accessible and to make sure that I'm representing everybody. Absolutely. Wonderful answer. And so, so true. We are magic. For real. We are magic for real. Every day is proof of that. Yes. And, you know, I think about Ruth and and all these women who have come before us. And, you know, it's kind of like what she said, you know, we're not tripping. We just want your foot off our neck. That's right. <laughs> and and, and if, if I'm honest and I think about the experience that I've had, I probably should have been the county clerk five, ten years ago. But because it wasn't um, you know, typical that a woman would be at this level of leadership in this county hmm. or a young woman or a woman okay. of color right. that I wasn't able to fully blossom and get to where I should have been before now because it was dominated by men and it was dominated by white men. Now, don't get me wrong. There's been some white men have who have been in full support of my journey and what I've done. But again, the times are changing and Women are supporting women and we are seeing the value and why we have to be at the table. We can't look at things as just the same old way of doing politics before we are people. And now that we're suffering through a global pandemic and all these things are happening in our nation, you need compassionate, you know, people who just give a damn and want to be accountable. Really people who just give a damn. And that's just, you know, the plain and simple to it. And so, you know, we have you have to do a personal evaluation of self and you have to figure out, am I really doing if this is your if if this is how you if this is your reflection, you know, am I fulfilling my purpose, whatever that is? And if I'm fulfilling my person purpose, am I at my full capacity or if, am I just getting started? Everybody's wavelength is different. Mm-hmm. But if you know that you are not where where your purpose fits in, if you know that you've been complacent if you know that something just doesn't feel right about the direction you're going in, then there has to be a reflective, a reflective place of, of how, you know, what you receive from God, because I, I don't assume all, all the listeners believe in God, mm-hmm. but what you receive from whatever spiritual background you believe in and then where you're going with that. What's been proven to us this last year is tomorrow. I know people say this all the time. Tomorrow's not true. promised to anyone. That's right. And, and when I leave, I want to be empty. Yeah. When I leave, I want to have given every last Everything. bit that I possibly could have given and not have any regrets on my deathbed that, 
Oh, I should have did this and I yeah. should have did that. Yeah, no, that's real. That's absolutely real. And it real. can be overwhelming. That reflection can be very overwhelming. So beware and take it in stages, but just know that, you know, the time of waiting to see, well, let me see what's going to happen. Well, I always wanted to do this or whatever. It's over. Yeah. Like <laughs> 2020 was real in that I felt that I said, hey, look, it's no time like the present. We do not have the next moment. And like you said, it's something that you've always known. But I believe 2020 just really opened my eyes in so many ways to yeah. be more proactive about pursuing my dreams, my passions, my goals. So you're you're Absolutely. right. You're right. And here's the thing: when you're pursuing, when you're pursuing, excuse me, your passion and goals, your gifts are going to make room for you. Right. Yes. The word of God says, you know, I prepared a place for you. I have great thoughts for you mm-hmm. of good things and not of evil. And so when you start, pre- pre- you know, preparing yourself for your passions and, you know, it's so easy nowadays. They got things called like life coaches. Right. When right. we were young, <laughs> 10 years ago, we didn't know nothing about no life coach. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but now we have life coaches. We have therapists. We have all these different resources that we didn't even know about before, but it helps you move into your purpose. So if getting a life coach is what it is, then get you a life Do coach. It. Yes. If it needs to be a mentor, get a mentor. I have all kinds of mentors and I have it for different spaces in my life. Mm-hmm. But one thing is for tr- is, is for certain when you start walking in your purpose and you start doing um the, the take the one or two step God is going to do the rest and he is going to make gifts he's going to make room for your gifts yes he will absolutely hey guys I'm Shari and I'm Sharice and we are the optimistic divorcees two happily divorced women who are optimistic about life but real about love Catch our new podcast on your favorite podcast platform with new episodes dropping every Monday where we talk about life, love, and everything in between. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Opt Divorcees. That's T-H-E-O-P-T-D-I-V-O-R-C-E-E-S. Bye! You know, I want you to take a step back because I know you started talking about just the magic and the gifting that women have. Speaking of mm-hmm. that, you were balancing as a mom of a, a toddler, a wife. Mm-hmm. Tell the people how and working a job. How did you find well, time yep. to run for this campaign? Like, how did you balance all of that? Um, I don't think it was a balance. I think if we're really being honest, people say, you know, I just I'm I'm just trying to find balance. I'm just trying to find balance. Mm-hmm. I think. In life, you're going to always be looking for some kind of balance, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's no final destination. I think in different segments of your life, you find different parts of what balance means. Mm-hmm. But for me, um, the way I was able to do it is I had a tremendous uh, support system. I had community, but I also had family members that helped me with my little one. There were a lot of days and nights that I didn't see him. He didn't see me. But what I will say is I'm very blessed because my family was like, out there on the campaign trail with me, putting out signs with their masks on, <laughs> what Josiah could go to me with, because, you know, we were being very protective. He would go. And some people, you know, some family members, and I had to be real condescend of this, is um, some family say, well, you run it for office. We don't want no parts of that, right? Mm. It's, it's too much. It's whatever. But my family, uh, 
rose to the occasion. My husband was very hesitant because he's really, you know, like low key. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> but, but, but I will tell you, when I wasn't chosen as the interim appointment for this office, when the last clerk stepped down, he said, you need to run for office. Mm. He was the first one to tell me that I needed to do it. He says, I don't want to hear anything else. They didn't <laughs> choose you and you were the person for the job. And it makes no sense that, you know, you've labored and you've done this work all this time. And, and now you're going to have to still run the office under somebody else. He says, you need to run for office. Mm. And so um, it was it was not easy but you really have to rely on a village mm -hmm. uh, to get through it because the campaign is the campaign. Some are short, some are long. And because I'm finishing uh, the unexpired term, I've got to run again next year to get a full four year term wow. because I was finishing the unexpired term of the previous clerk. But, but what I'll tell you is, you know, you have to find a village and you have to know when you're in that moment, you're in that moment. But when you get outside of that moment, you got a whole lot of making up to do, a whole lot of family yeah. time to take people on trips and, yeah. <laughs> and spending more time with your child. You know, Josiah's only four. So half of this, he's probably not even going to remember by the age of 14. Sure. And I think, you know, if you have young children, um, it may not be so bad. I attended the Yale Campaign School for Women. And one thing they really said is when your children are young, they don't know what's going on. Right. They just miss mommy. But when they get older, they really need you. They need you at the games. They Absolutely. need you at the dance recitals. Mm -hmm. They need you more as they get older. And so if you could do it when they're young or start the trail then and create your balance after that, it's better. Oh, that's and good. And so. Um, and so that was very helpful. And I've, I've always kind of kept that to the back of my mind. I was someone who got married later in life, uh, not at the normal age, who had my first child later in life. And so mm -hmm. I was just like, OK, I'm just this is too much to handle. But um, but I'm thankful for that process because I feel like it was a little bit more mature. But the village is so required. Yeah. Uh, grandmothers, grandpa, whoever's in the I wouldn't have been able to do it if I didn't have supportive family in a village because it can take quite a bit away from you. Um, and then on the other side of this, the one thing that I have not done yet is taking the grace and space to be outside of now I'm in public office mm -hmm. and I just need some space to be me. Yeah. Um, and I am finally getting to that point where, okay, now you're elected, you're busy body. You've got to rebrand this office and show everybody, you know, they made the right choice in voting for you, but you have to this summer, make give yourself grace and give yourself space and time to just be mm -hmm. and so i'm looking forward to taking some of that this summer and for women we really do because we're givers of everything we just give mm -hmm. to everybody and yeah. then sometimes we have nothing left for ourselves is this summer i'm going to be giving myself more grace and space before i get to the fall and have to run and do all this stuff again because it really is a marathon it is not a sprint mm. <laughs> Wow. Wisdom. Yeah. You have shared so much wisdom. What do you think? Well, what's next for you? And what are some current kind of challenges you guys are overcoming? And then, yeah. you know, tell the people how they can find you and support you because we yeah. want to support you. So go ahead and share. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, so, you know, as I kind of go into this next stage of journey, I mean, right now, I'm just really making sure that I'm branding to show people this is who you voted for. I'm still the same person and hold me accountable. Um, obviously, like I said, I have to run next year and a primary and all those things. But now that I've gotten my feet wet, I know kind of how to balance that out. So in this next sector is I will be really helping communities to understand, keep doing the work in the community in terms of why you need to show up and vote, right? Everybody shows up for, for a presidential election. They mm -hmm. vote and then they go home. They don't show up for their city elections or none of their mm -hmm. local elections. And so much happens in that time that by the time you get to the next presidential, you're trying to catch up to get the right people in office. And so next year is a midterm election and it is for the whole world, for most states. And it's going to be so critical because, um, you know, governors, secretary of states, representatives, we really, truly need to get the right people in office. You can vote, you know, a certain president in office. But if you don't have the right people in the Senate or the House or these other areas to advocate and help push the right stuff forward, then you're sending your president no help at all. And guess what? That help happens at the local level in your state. Who are you electing in these local offices that go to D.C. and work on a higher level? So I, the takeaway that everyone should know here is that, you know, local elections matter and and don't sleep like don't sleep. Please, people mm. do not sleep on 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 the small stuff, on your city councils, on whatever it is. Don't sleep, get educated and make the right decision. So in the next year or so, you know, I'll continue to be operating in spaces. I'll be joining groups like the Divine Nine, the Greek organization and all the organizations of people of color and start using, you know, coming together to use that influence to help keep people educated and why it's important to part of the process. Um, that's what's next for me. Um, outside of that, trying to find that balance. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have forgot about the last part of it. You said, what would I? So career-wise, that's what I'll be doing. Okay. Um, I'll be seeking more knowledge. Um, I've gone through leadership programs and things of that nature, but I'll be seeking more global opportunities just outside of my state and county. And really getting to know other representatives that are doing things in their states, because I think there's power in cross pollination, right, yeah. on both sides of the aisle. And so seeking to get to know people at conferences that I go to and things of that nature to show them that, you know, black girls rock and yes. we can rock in every space. Um, but but that they need to be aware that we're coming and that we're important and we need to be at the table. Um, so those are some of the things career wise I'll be wanting to do. Um, and and personally, I'm just a, I'm a, I am a student of education and I'll be figuring it out along the way with everybody else. But but we all need to be at the table this midterm year is going to be critical for so many reasons. And uh, and there needs to be conversations. If you don't know where to go to start those conversations in your small city or county or state, um, you know, you can go through faith to get to me. Oh, oh I'm sharing my information. Yes. So um, you can reach me personally. Well, first of all, you can follow me on my campaign pages on Instagram, on Twitter, or on Facebook, and it's Tanisha Hudson for Harris County, 
on um, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. I'll give that all to Faith and she can add it to the to the yeah. podcast mm-hmm. um, on any of those platforms or just Tanisha Husfeth on my, my personal pages. I tend to be a bit a bit more, you know, expressive on my personal pages <laughs> and I can say exactly what I want to on my political pages. I'm a little bit more careful, right. uh, but you can follow me there. Um, I have a Gmail account, Tanisha Hudspeth at gmail.com. Um, and, and I really would love to hear from folks, whether it's online, whether it's versus email. And yes, if you call me and say, I live in Virginia and I want to even know who runs my elections, call me up. I'm your girl. <laughs> That's awesome because, and, and I'm so glad you said that because so many of us want to be, I believe, want to be involved in the local elections, but then you get there, you're like, who are all these judges? And where do I start? Where do I start every single time? Yeah. So any type of help or direction on that is so appreciated because people just don't know where to begin. I know in Chicago, we have like a million judges. You're like, okay, vote yes or no. I don't know who you are. Same thing. Yeah. It's the same thing in Harris County, Houston. And really, you know, it's the candidate's job to come out. And, and give the information. But Carol actually, I don't know, it was maybe about a year or so ago, or maybe it was when she first moved to Atlanta. I wasn't sure. She asked me about the council there. And I may have not known all the answers then, but I started digging because I'm just a political nerd like that. And I started <laughs> seeing, you know, how do they run their jurisdictions in Atlanta? I have friends and sorority sisters that live there. And we kind of started talking about what was happening politically there. Mm-hmm. And she was like, wow, this is a lot of information, sis, but this is overwhelming. Yeah. And so I know it can be overwhelming because it's like, where do I start? Right. But the thing is, just start, right? Start. And if you live in a certain area and you're not sure, again, you can follow me on my pages, Tanisha Hudspeth for Harris County or at Tanisha Hudspeth on Instagram. I think on Instagram is T Hudspeth 1913 because I'm so I'm a Delta Sora. <laughs> and if uh, if you go to Twitter, it's just Tanisha for Harris County. Uh, any of those platforms, I'm happy to connect with you, find out where you live and just kind of start giving you the fundamentals on where to start. Awareness is key. Yeah, and there's always sure. a place to start, but it can get overwhelming really quickly. So you need a resource. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, thank you so much. I mean, this was, a, I think, so powerful, just a powerful show. Um, and we are so happy to see it. We love to see you shining. You are amazing. You are yeah. changing the landscape of what's going on, not only locally, but nationally. And so we are here to support you in any way we can here at Faith Over Everything podcast. So when you get ready yeah. to rerun Definitely yeah. let us know if you need to jump on the show, whatever. We're here for you. Okay. We're here for you. Hey. Well, thank you. And it does take support. Like this work can't be done without people that care about your vision and your mission and what you're doing. But, you know, if I need to come back before the midterm election and say, here's the one steps one through five, how you figure out what's on your ballot yeah. and how you even begin to educate yourself on who the heck is on that ballot or what this measure is, or what this amendment is, because I don't understand it. You know, so if we have to kind of just go through, here are the top things you need to know, and this is who the people you contact to get to know that in your county, or your state, or your jurisdiction, we can definitely come come back and do that before an election. I would love that. Well, thank you, ma'am. We appreciate you you. again, and 
pleasure. Thank you to all the listeners that took the time to tune in. Don't forget to share, like, uh, check out her pages and follow her. And again, support and let's get active. Let's yes. get educated and let's be more proactive in this political thing. Yes, and I'll send you those uh, those tags to all those pages because I know people are going to be like, Tanisha Hudson, how the heck, <laughs> how the heck do I spell that? You know, they see Tanisha and they're like, okay, that sounds like a black girl. But then you get to the Hudson part and they're like, what, like, what is that? Right. <laughs> I don't know. So thank you so much. What you are doing with your platform is absolutely awesome, Faith. Keep doing it. You're sharing a message with people and you have no idea where that message is going. So mm-hmm. keep sharing um, and don't be hesitant to continue to, to to spread your wings on this platform. Thank you so much. I accept that and I receive that. Thank you. Yes. Yes. All right, yes. guys. Bye. Next time. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Hope you enjoyed the show today, guys. Truly appreciate you tuning in. Please don't forget to follow us on the following social media platforms. On Instagram, the page is Faith Over Everything underscore podcast. On Facebook, the page is Faith Over Everything Podcast. Our website is www.faithovereverything.net. And lastly, if you are interested in becoming a guest or have any show topic ideas, email us at Faith Over Everything Podcast, the number one at gmail.com. Thanks again.